The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections, everyone. We've had lots of, of great topics we've talked about here on the show, and this, this show was actually scheduled to be done a week ago, and the, my guest has been kind enough to come back. We, I had some technical issues. I was traveling uh, to our national meeting at the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, which we'll uh, be talking about in a future show. We'll go through some of the updates that we learned about at the show. But this week, we're talking about patient safety. Those of you who listen to the show know that one of our greatest interest is ensuring patient safety, and it's really the reason we do this show. New Reflections is all about getting truthful, honest, and accurate information about products, about procedures, and about facilities, and making good choices. We've done a number of specials on patient safety, and this may be the most important one, and probably the one with the most validity, because it's not going to be me and a bunch of plastic surgeons telling you how you should be looking to do things safely. This is really an objective third party who spent a lot of time doing research and looking into this issue. And I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. I'd like to introduce Jane O'Donnell. She's a reporter for the USA Today and a freelance writer. And she did a spectacular job researching, from what I understand, months preparing for this topic of patient safety and then published, uh, I think, five articles, a number of video pieces all about patient safety and making good choices and, and basically keeping yourself out of trouble. So, Jane, I'd like to welcome you to New Reflections. Hi, my pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I have to say that after reading the articles that you've written, I, I think you've done a tremendous service to, for the public. We're always talking about doing homework, making sure that people know what you're getting into, making good choices, but, you know, that's the business that I'm in. I, I'm really trying to be a patient advocate because I take care of patients. But I'm curious, why would you tackle this controversial and big subject? Well, it's interesting. I'm actually considered, my beat is called, I'm a consumer reporter at USA Today, where I'm on staff. As, as you mentioned, I do some other freelance writing. But So my, my, uh, my full-time job is being a consumer reporter. I am not a medical reporter and never have been, which is probably one of the reasons this took so long, um, one of the many reasons, I should say. So I'd I'd been looking into this all year. I've been This is kind of a nine-month project, but it was actually last year I got the idea to do this story I was working on an article about um, 
there's a column we have called Managing Your Money, and one of the issues we were looking at was just the issue of how these days, if you go to the dentist or you go to the eye doctor, you're getting an eye exam, you you can't seem to get out of there without a pitch for something else, some sort of cosmetic procedure or uh, in dentistry, you know, you might go in to get your your tooth capped and they want to sell you teeth whitening, um, which, you know, is perhaps fine, and I've had my teeth whitened myself, but, you know, it can get... you have to kind of be on guard and you have to keep in mind what's covered by insurance, that sort of thing. Anyway, um, as I was researching that, I was asking people who are on USA Today's shopper panel, we have like 2,500 people, we tap occasionally to ask them questions, and a woman told me, well, not only did her eye doctor try to sell her Botox when she was just going in for an eye exam, but her OBGYN tried to talk her into a tummy tuck when she was about to have her third child. And yeah, she, and it, was, that's, that's really kind of a, kind of a shocking thing, you know. Yeah, it's just amazing. I'm sorry I took, talked over you for a second there, but the oh, yeah, yeah it, was just, it was just it was amazing to me, and I'd never heard of such a thing. So there, therein lies the the genesis of this story. That I started asking around, and I I did um, one of the calls I made was was to a plastic surgeon who I happen to know because I did a story about thirteen fourteen years ago about plastic surgery. I kind of just went around as a regular person to plastic surgeons. You know, I guess you could call it undercover, but I just, you know, <laughs> identified myself, but I didn't say I was writing an article and said, and, and uh, did a piece on, you know, at, at 37 years old, I was asking them, you know, well, you know, what do you think I should have done? So that's kind of where I got to know a couple of plastic surgeons and found it a little scary. Um, so <laughs> proving that I am objective, I will say that, you know, a lot of them do oversell and I, Listen, at 37 years That's going to happen. But, you know, uh, there's a difference between so, – and, and by the way, we, we've talked about that on the show too. The last thing that I personally do in my consultations is recommend procedures for a patient. If, you know, patients come to me and they have a certain interest in mind. I'm the, I'm the last guy – that's going to say you ought to think about having X, Y, Z. I don't play the what would you do to me game for just that reason, because people are very vulnerable. And not only are they vulnerable in emotionally, but they're vulnerable both financially and safety-wise, because they there's a certain trust that's implied when you go to an office. It looks like this doctor's successful. There's lots of things around. Of course, there's a big difference between that and going to your gynecologist for a pap smear and suddenly getting talked to about liposuction. Yeah, and and that that's one of the things that came up as I talk to people because no matter what I'm writing about when it comes to safety, there'll be the online commenters or colleagues who say, you know, geez, how could anybody, you know, be that uninformed and 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 go to perhaps their gynecologist for cosmetic surgery? And there is a level of trust that people build, you know, have in their doctors, or else they wouldn't be going them for to to them for whatever procedure they're going to. But you know, as, as you noted in the articles that that um ran in, uh, in early September, the people, you know, one, one woman had, had had breast surgery done by her OBGYN because he showed her, she saw some of the credentials on the wall and decided, well, this guy would be a good guy to do it. And it turned out to be a disaster. Well, you know, people just don't know. And that's one of the big messages we try and put forth. And it's not, it's not just preying upon uneducated people. There's very successful, very famous people that have found themselves in the wrong place. You know, uh, one of your articles talks about non-plastic surgeons being disciplined for disastrous results or people that aren't board certified. Well, people would be shocked sometimes to discover who's not board certified. You know, we talk about the, the famous Dr. Ray of Dr. 90210. Well, Dr. Ray is not board certified. Not only that, he claims to be trained by Harvard, and he, the, I believe his only experience at Harvard was an observership that was a month or two. 
So, you know, things are very disingenuous. You see this guy on television, you figure, wow, he must be some big, fancy, special guy to be taken, to be chosen to be on television. Well, really, the reason he's on television is because he's pretty sensationalistic. He's kind of funny to watch. And, and that makes people interested in watching him, but it doesn't really make him a qualified plastic surgeon. And he's not board certified. And the worst example, I think you cited in, in one of your articles, was what happened to Donda West. That was what I was going to say, because people, doctors have said to me, doctors who aren't board-certified plastic surgeons say, well, look at Donda West. That was a plastic surgeon, but he wasn't a board-certified plastic surgeon. That's right. And not only was he not a board-certified plastic surgeon, but this is a guy who was a spokesperson on the Discover Channel. Right. Right, you know? and, and that's where, and you know, that that gets into something I'm sure we'll get into here. But you know, advertising and and whether it's tele, whether it's television advertising or television broadcasters or guests or whatever they are, hosts. I mean, that's not the place to find your doctor. It's you know, word of mouth, and it's all the kinds of things I'm sure we'll get into about checking out their credentials. Well, you know, just from a basic standpoint, let's talk about cosmetic versus plastic, because you know, we always talk about cosmetic surgery versus plastic surgery on the show. Cosmetic surgery is not a licensed term. At least in the state of Florida, I can tell you any doctor can call himself a cosmetic surgeon, and there's really no recourse. A lot of people don't know that. And could any doctor in Florida, I can ask you questions too, and could any doctor in Florida, including a family practitioner who has no training in surgery, call themselves a cosmetic surgeon? Absolutely. If you have a license to practice medicine, okay. so I just you're allowed. To yeah, that's basically that gives you a, that is a license to do anything you can get a patient right. to consent to in your office. I just wondered if, you know, it, and that's one of the things I'm going to be researching over the coming months is how, how the different state laws vary. And I just didn't, I knew, I knew you could, yeah, I guess I did know. You could say you practice cosmetic surgery. I just didn't know if the, you know, the term surgeon had some sort of special significance when it came to laws, but I, I guess not. No, no, not really. I mean, you know, if you call yourself a plastic surgeon, then you might be getting into a, a gray area. But calling yourself a cosmetic surgeon, I mean, the reason that there's no, there's no limit to that is because there is no board of cosmetic surgery. And when someone says they're board certified, you've got to be very careful. I mean, when you were doing your research, I'm sure you came across people who claim to be board certified, but then you do a little further looking into it and it's not the board of plastic surgery. Right. And, and, and that's, of course, it's something that, that I knew nothing about. I don't mean, of course, but I, getting into this because I hadn't shopped for plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery, I, I did not know that we, because you, something you just said is, is not, is, is, is true, of course, but, you know, there is a board of cosmetic surgery, but it's not a board as is defined by the American Board of Medical Specialties. Now, if you stop, you know, a hundred people on the street, I, I, I wonder if you could find five that had ever even heard of the American Board of Medical Specialties. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a real lack of education. And then hopefully, certainly everyone listening to the show, the fans of the show that have been listening week after week, you, you hear the stuff we talk about. They're a sophisticated bunch. They've been educated. They they get it. So anyone listening to this show gets it. But there's, I hope that we're able to draw more listeners. I hope that your your fans at USA Today are listening and some new listeners to the show. This is a, an important message. Because just like you've you've said, the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery and the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgery are self-proclaimed, self-governed bodies that have no legitimacy based upon the American Board of Medical Specialties. And there's only one board in the United States that is legitimately certifying plastic surgeons, and that is the American Board of Plastic Surgery. The American Board of Plastic Surgery is one of the members of the American Board of Medical Specialties. When you go to a cardiologist, or you go to an internist, you go to 
uh, a radiologist reads your x-ray. All of these people, if they're board certified, are members of this group, the American Board of Medical Specialties. These are the legitimate governed boards in medicine. But the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery, just a group of folks got together and said, hey, let's make a board. Um, but, but of course, there, there's more egregious examples, and I was actually going to use a use a list, and I don't have I don't have it in front of me. But there, but you know that that group does require a one year fellowship and 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 that sort of thing. But when you get down, I mean, there's all sorts of boards that have been made up. You know, the and I I won't even try to rattle off a name, but but there, there's probably ten different boards of of quote-unquote, boards of different forms of cosmetic surgery. And so people just do have to be so careful. But I, I did think there was one caveat, because I know you and I talked about this uh, during my research. The um, <clears throat> when you're a, If you're looking to go somewhere for a, a facelift, um, the American... The, the, board, the, the facial plastic surgeons, their right. certification sure, is... Sure, yes. And the, the American Board of Facial Plastic Surgery has equivalency. The... the the truth about that is they are also not a board that's recognized by the American Board of Medical Specialties uh, because most, in order to be a, a member of the American Board of Facial Plastic Surgery, you have to have first passed your otolaryngology or ENT boards, ear, nose, and throat. So all of those doctors, they're ear, nose, and throat doctors that are board certified by the American Board of Otolaryngology, which, which is uh, a real board. And then they go on and do, uh, they're required to do, I believe, a year fellowship in aesthetic surgery of the face. And they can then take uh, a test and apply to become a member of the American Board of Facial Plastic Surgery. And many years ago, I believe it was the AMA, that granted equivalency. They basically looked at it and said, okay, even though you're not a real board in the American Board of Medical Specialties, what you're requiring is essentially equivalent to what would be required if you were a real board. And that was a controversial decision, but it has come to have been accepted. And, a, and someone who's a member of the American Board of Facial Plastic Surgery is fully qualified to do cosmetic surgery of the face. I think where we tend to get in some gray areas is when those folks maybe start looking at doing some breast augmentation or things away from the face. It's really not within their specialty. And that would be just as inappropriate as me deciding to, uh, to do some neurosurgery. If I was going to go do a lobotomy, I think that would probably not be well advised because I'm not a trained neurosurgeon. So you want to stay within the scope of your expertise. However, in, within facial plastic surgery, the American Board of Facial Plastic, Surgeon, uh, face, facial plastic Surgery is a valid board, and you'd be perfectly safe in the hands of someone who had that proper board certification. And don't all 50 states consider it ABS equivalent? So followed the AMA or whoever decided it? Yeah, well, it's, it, like I said, it's generally it's generally accepted to be equivalent in that regard. But, right. you know, the, the other things we're talking about, if you are looking at someone, if you're visiting a doctor who claims to be board certified, by any board that has the word cosmetic in it, that's not a real board. Be very, very careful. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We're continuing our discussion with Jane O'Donnell, the writer from the USA Today, about all the work that she's done on patient safety when we come back after this short break here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. 
I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. We're back with Jane O'Donnell from the USA Today. And Jane has written uh, as a freelance writer articles for uh, and appeared with Good Morning America, the Fox Business Network, CNN, MSNBC, a very accomplished writer. And she spent uh, almost a year researching the things we're talking about today. We just finished talking about uh, board certification and talking about how cosmetic surgery and plastic surgery are not the same thing. And we were, what I want to make sure that is clear is this idea that if you're not having surgery, well, then you're probably okay. You know, people feel like, well, you know, they're sitting in their gynecologist's office and they see a little sign for Botox, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, and they figure, hey, you know, what the hell? It's a doctor. And it, I mean, how hard can Botox be? It's just an injection. You're, you're probably still not making a good decision. When you, even though it's not surgery, there's still risk. In fact, Jane, you wrote one of the articles you've written is entirely about non-surgical procedures. Right, and you know, funny you start with Botox because I, I became a little less worried about Botox and more worried about laser treatments as I was writing it. Um, I, I, there's that famous case. I think it was Mike Metavoy and Hollywood's wife had the terrible Botox situation. But you know, you would probably know better than I. You follow this more closely, but I, I've not heard of many Botox horror stories, and it. Does unless it's I think that was some sort of industrial grade chemical that was put in her face, but so Botox doesn't seem to be the biggest problem. And I know in my state of Virginia, a nurse can uh, do it. It doesn't even have to be a doctor. So I, I suppose you know when you come to your example, an, an OBGYN 
a doctor who had trained, who had gone through whatever amount of training required by the company that makes Botox, they might be okay because a nurse is allowed to do it if they have a doctor supervising. Uh, so, but you tell me if you know of, of more horror stories. It, it's some of the laser Well, treatments. you know, there, there was one famous story down here, and it's not so much, uh, and I agree. Listen, Botox, placing Botox, if you're properly trained, can be done safely. The, the, real, the bigger issue is it's still an aesthetic procedure, and you're, you know, you're going to talk about la- light and laser treatments, and light and laser treatments, by the way, in the state of Florida, can be done by a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner as well. And it, whether you're a doctor or a PA or a nurse practitioner, if you're not properly trained and it's not what you do every day, you're probably going to hurt someone eventually. And, and that's an interesting point, though, because, okay, now we've covered, not that everyone, goodness knows, is aware of the training required for plastic surgery or, or to do cosmetic procedures, um, surgical procedures, but how could a, I, I'm not actually sure how I would tell a consumer. I mean, I'd want to be sure they'd gone through training in Botox or whatever, but is there some sort of certification in doing Fraxel <laughs> that, I, that one should ask for? Well, it's a great question, and actually, there really is not. There is each company that sells technology. When you're talking about light and laser treatments, they provide their own form of certification. They'll they'll give uh, educational courses, training courses, seminars for those who are purchasing the machine to make them uh, certified, quote unquote, to use the machine. Now, one of the worst examples of this is uh, a company that sells laser liposuction machines, a company called, um, well, there's many companies. But they, all, they all pretty much do the same thing. And now you're talking about a machine that has a laser at the end of a, of a fiber that's going to pass through fat, and its job is to burn the fat. It, it, you are then going to be doing liposuction to remove the fat. Well, these, these laser lipo machines are sold to anyone who can write the check. The problem is there's no standard requirement for them to know how to do liposuction. So what happens is you get your family doctor, your gynecologist, your uh, emergency room doctor that decides, you know, I want to open up a liposuction clinic. So they go and they plunk down their $80,000, $100,000, $120,000 as an investment in that machine. Along with that investment, they get sent to a training course, which typically in the industry standard is only about two or three days, you know, usually over a weekend. And so somehow in those two or three days, they're supposed to be fully trained in the use of the machine they've just purchased as well as be fully trained and qualified to do liposuction because as soon as they get back to their hometown, the laser company gives them the keys to the machine and says, have at it, kid. So, you know, you've got to be really, really careful when making those choices. When you're talking about light and lasers, that's the standard. There's some sort of certification by the company that sells it, and then it's really, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. And... You really have to be careful. I think if you stay in the core specialties, I'm talking about plastic surgery, facial plastic surgery, dermatology, these are people that deal with injectables and with light and laser treatments on a regular basis. And they're going to be responsible and they're, they're likely going to be ethical in their treatment of you. And you're going to be, you're setting yourself up to have a better result and be in a better situation than, you know, having that Botox placed by your family doc who figured, well, maybe I can make a couple extra dollars by injecting Botox as a hobby. Well, you mentioned laser liposuction. Um, that was like a whole another area that I, I mean, I talked quite a bit about liposuction, and I know we'll talk a little bit about the, the, the horrible stories with some of these victims. But 
laser liposuction was very scary to me after I completed this, and I got so many pages inside the paper, there was no way I could go off on any more um, tangents or get into any other areas. But um, some of the pictures in one of the videos were of laser liposuction victims, and this, the um, the burns and the scarring was just horrific. So um, I don't, I didn't even think of laser liposuction as being one of like in these, in these because that in the in the kind of the non-surgical area because it just it it did seem so extreme and the burns were so horrible. Well, you're right. It's not non-surgical, but that's the public perception. Yeah, I get people in my office all the time, and you probably spoke to lots of folks too. They they come to my office. Well, I, you know, I don't really want liposuction, but I'd like to have some smart lipo or that laser lipo, and because the perception is somehow the laser liposuction is not liposuction, that it's not surgery. And the truth is, it's called smart lipo because there's lipo involved, you know, <laughs> there's liposuction. Because you still have to make an injection and, and get the fat out, correct? Well, the truth is, it not only is it not less invasive, it's more invasive because you're still making the same incisions, you're still doing the same laser procedure medicine. as liposuction, only now you're adding laser energy into the mix. And so the complications that you saw with laser lipo were, were likely not done by core physicians, and furthermore, likely would not have happened if you just did traditional lipo and didn't use the laser. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the um, I, I mean, I did leave, I did leave it feeling a little more comfortable with, as I said, Botox. The, the, some of the laser procedures. There's a, a website I, I included. There's an IPL and laser support group. I mean, some of these, some of these women have had really, really bad results, and, and talk of suicide, and really some really bad um, feelings after. People just don't want to go out of the house because they've had such, you know, tremendous. Either their face just changed completely after it, you know. The bur- once even the burns or the redness or whatever went away, it, it was still, you know, very disastrous results. And, and I will say, you know, some of these, some of these were plastic surgeons, and, and many of them weren't. So it, it just proves you have to shop around. You need word of mouth. You need to really check into someone's credentials. Right. And the take-home message is that non-surgical is not non-risk. If you're getting injections, if you're having light and laser treatments. There's still risk to it. You should treat it with the same respect as you would surgery and, and treat surgery with the utmost respect. There's a sense that uh, having a breast augmentation or having liposuction is somehow a commodity. It's like buying a shirt that you can go to Marshall's and get it discounted as compared to going to Saks and trying to find the same shirt on the rack and paying more for it. It's not the same. You know, that we are not, you're not getting exactly the same thing in different offices. And the point is, that you really do get what you pay for, and you need to be careful and do your homework when you're choosing having a procedure. You know, certainly there there can be complications in the hands of board-certified plastic surgeons, but when you look at the statistics and you, you look at your chances of having a great result versus having a problem, you're really putting yourself in a much better situation when you choose a properly trained surgeon, a plastic surgeon certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery for the majority of the procedures that we're talking about. You know, and that's probably one of the the scariest things. I mean, setting aside what actually happened to some of these people, the scariest thing to me as a consumer and a consumer reporter is that the things that I've been writing and reading about for the last several years, I mean, I'm frequently writing about, you know, how to, how to find a good deal, you know, flash sale sites, online shopping, apps for shopping, whatever it is, is that the kind of, it's like almost like a Black Friday mentality has crept into cosmetic procedures, you know, you have this, you know, increasing desire to look good and everybody wants to change 
you know, everybody has in their head, oh, I wish my this part of my body or that part of my body was different. But when the, when you see that the companies are are preying on that and using some of the same tactics, whether it's Groupon or or you know just different Craigslist and different different online deal sites to to sell something that you, I don't care if it's even a even a haircut. Shouldn't you get your haircut at a place that's been recommended to you rather than because it's half price? So you know, it's funny you mention that because a lot of people will spend more time wondering about which place they should go to have their hair done than where to get their Botox or where to have a breast augmentation. And because, well, and, and I and I think part of the reason is because it's so expensive. So then they hear so many people are doing it, but it's so expensive. They say, "Oh, well, this place I'm going to go here because it's twenty five hundred dollars rather than a five thousand. And you know, as you saw in the story, I mean, that's how some of these people ended up going where they went and had the disastrous results. Well, we're going to talk about bargains when we come back from break. We're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we're going to start talking about some of these disasters that have happened, the things that you learned about in your research, and we'll talk about what went wrong. How can you avoid getting into that trouble? Join us in just a few short minutes here on New Reflections. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Well, welcome back to the show. We've been talking uh, about safety in plastic surgery and, and talking about all the things that you should be looking for. And now let's talk about some, some procedures gone wrong. In your research and preparing for these articles, you really did a lot of research and looking at people that ended up having trouble, sometimes critical trouble, and, and people died. 
and other times quite serious trouble. And they ended up in the hospital and ICUs and getting treated, but they did survive. And let's talk about some of these stories. How did this happen to these people? What do you think was the, the one of the most egregious stories, the most heart-wrenching stories that, that you learned about in your research? Uh, well, I guess it, it two, it's twofold. I mean, the, the most heart-wrenching thing for me as a reporter, in part, is that I was researching the death of a woman who had six children um, who died a year ago, Valentine's Day, so Valentine's Day of 2010, and and in the course of my research into the Dr. Sant'Antonio in your area, Miami, uh, he, another patient died of Dr. Sant'Antonio's, and that was in June of this of 2011. This year, mm-hmm. um, so so these women together left, I believe, nine children and excuse me, eight children between them, and um, died in, with a liposuction procedure that they got because it was inexpensive. It was, there, was a, there was a good price. They saw it, uh, one of them saw an ad in the mall. The, um, and it was a lidocaine poisoning in both cases. And, and, I, and what, I, what I've learned through interviews is that you know, this is a common cause of death, perhaps the, the main cause. It's certainly almost, in almost all the cases, I suspect, it ends up being the anesthetic and it, 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 the kinds of questions that weren't asked were, you know, why is this so inexpensive? Where's the anesthesiologist? <laughs> you know, right, right. Well, you know, and that's that's the thing. We talk about these laser lipo procedures that are marketed, and the one of the big caveats that if you hear this, you really ought to run, not walk out of the office, is that the procedures are done in the office under local anesthesia. And really, the question to ask is why. Well, the the true answer is that in most cases these doctors don't have hospital privileges to perform these operations. And so they, they have to do it in their office. And if they're doing it in their office, they're not allowed to give any kind of sedation. At least in the state of Florida, they can't even give any significant doses of oral uh, sedation in order to be able to do that. Now, that's not to say that liposuction can't be done very safely under local anesthesia. It can. And it, it, it can be done by properly trained doctors uh, and, and be very safe. But you have to be careful about the, the volumes of fat that you're taking out, the number of areas that are being done. And it really takes a, a lot of experience to keep you safe. Generally speaking, I recommend that patients consider having a little sedation to make them, so, to make them comfortable. Because it, it's, it's an uncomfortable procedure having it done entirely under local in most cases if you're doing you know, more than a couple areas. And, and it, when I do liposuction, in order to be uh, to do a good thorough job and to keep the patient totally comfortable, we usually have the patient asleep, you know, under general anesthesia, being monitored by an anesthesiologist the entire time. And that's true whether we do sedation or general anesthesia. So you got to be careful. You have to ask: Are you allowed to go to a hospital? Do you have hospital privileges to do this procedure? And even more importantly, do you have hospital privileges to admit me if something goes wrong? So what if someone? Um, and, that, and that's a point that um, I got into a little bit. But um, I, that's something I would have explored more, certainly if I was writing only about liposuction. But um, it, so, so perhaps a rule of thumb, if someone were going to have liposuction simply on their stomach, just only one area, now would that be something, certainly you would ask, you know, do you have privileges to do this in a hospital? But would that typically need to be done in a hospital under general anesthesia? No, no, you wouldn't have to. I mean, if you're doing a limited area, but if, it and, was, but if it was stomach and thighs and back or something like that, that's when you would get into the general anesthesia area, perhaps? Well, you know, it, it, my rule of thumb is if it's one area, maybe two small areas, then I give the patient the option. But even if I'm doing local anesthesia, 
I still recommend having a little bit of sedation just to keep you comfortable because even the local anesthesia has its moments where it, it hurts. You know, putting that the tumescent fluid in that the local anesthesia into the fat that can be painful. Right. And uh, you know, I I prefer to keep my patients entirely comfortable uh, when we're done with the procedure. They won't have any memories of having been hurt, having pain. They would have been comfortable the whole time. And and like I said, it can if you have one small area, two small areas, doing it under straight local anesthesia certainly can be done. I've done it many times in the past, but it's by patient choice and with proper patient selection. But if you're thinking about having the typical thing that someone comes for liposuction uh, is for tummy, hips, and love handles, the flanks in the back. And sometimes you're doing the inner or outer thighs. And you, the more areas you're adding on, the more complicated it gets because you also have to change positions. Usually you're rolling a patient on their side, flipping them over to the other side. When you're doing those kind of things, I prefer to have a patient secure, under anesthesia, fully monitored, with a good airway that's secure. And, and I, I find that both the patient and myself have better, uh, better sense of safety and better comfort level during the procedure when they're asleep. And it, seem, and it seems important. One of the other things that takeaways for me personally, and I hope that for the people that read it and will read it, it's on usatoday.com, just search for cosmetic surgery, the, um, is, is that different, different patients have different levels of comfort, as you say. So, I mean, whereas one woman in, in the second day story who went to Lifestyle Lift said she was laughing and joking through her procedure, Another woman is horrified, was horrified, and is still has you know <laughs> still has you know nightmares sure. and like thoughts about it. So the idea that you know that your face is being cut into or your body is being cut into and fats being sucked out, if if that horrifies a patient, you you certainly want to go to someone who has the option of of, of sedating you further. You know, within the under law has the option to sedate you further. Exactly. I mean, you're really, you know, we'll talk about lifestyle lift in just a moment. There's there's many things that are wrong with, with that picture. And we've done a, a two-part episode on lifestyle lift on this show. But you mentioned Dr. San Antonio, and there was a recent story in one of the recent deaths in uh, under his care uh, where they were doing fat transfer. And, you know, you have to look at volumes of fat. A lot of places that are doing fat, uh, doing liposuction as well as fat transfer are suctioning significant amounts of fat. Now, technically, when you're doing fat transfer and you're removing uh, more than one liter of fat, that immediately violates Florida rules if you then do a second procedure, like transferring the fat back into the buttocks, because you know transferring fat, doing a fat injection, is a separate thing from doing liposuction. And the rules in the state of Florida are that in your office, you are limited to one liter of liposuction when combined with other procedures. Now, without combining with other procedures, you can do up to four liters of liposuction, which is really a generous limit. And I would, I'd be very wary of having that done in an office. You know, any of my patients, and I used to do lots of surgery in an office uh, operating room, in an office surgery center. And I, I've since really stopped doing that. But, uh, and I still, I can offer it, but I just find there's a lot of comfort in being in a hospital and having all of that surrounding you you know, all the, the support services and all the personnel there to, to support the the process and the surgery. But, you know, anytime you're getting more than really three liters of fat, you're approaching what we consider large volume liposuction. And, and when you're talking about fat transfer, there's added risk. Now, this latest death with Dr. San Antonio here in South Florida, uh, I saw mention that there was a one centimeter diameter 
globule of fat found in her bloodstream that, that had been embolized. I mean, it got into her veins and went up into her lungs. It you know, called a pulmonary embolus, and that can be fatal. In fact, it was fatal for this latest patient. One centimeter globule of fat, that's a big globule of fat to be entering. I mean, really, we're doing smaller droplets. We're doing it you know, with, with passive pressure. The modern techniques, people that are staying on top of things and keeping you safe, are extremely unlikely to have that type of scenario happen. That's a big hunk of fat getting into your veins. And, Do you happen and, to know if any other states, because uh, I think it would be important for listeners, and also I'm, I'm curious, whether other states have similar limits to Florida's? You know, I really don't know, but it's important for you to look up those type of things in your state. Another thing you can look up is, has a person, as a doctor you're considering, ever had any disciplinary action by the Board of Medicine in your state? Uh, you can, that's easily looked up online. And you can also look up if there are any legal action against that doctor. You can look it up in the county records, the county in which the practice exists, and in my case, be Miami-Dade County. You can easily look up. I invite my listeners, look me up. You can find if I've ever had any actions. I can tell you I haven't. You're welcome to look up and get that information. Look up any doctor that you're going to see because it gives you some sense. We also suggested that people go to the Federation of State Medical Boards website and that provides information, but then you've also got, um, they'll actually, if you, for a small fee, they'll, they'll actually send you a report that includes whether the doctor's been disciplined in other states because that's so important. I mean, I've heard stories that I, I, I can't talk about here, but, but where doctors, by name I should say, I can't talk about them, but doctors have been disciplined in other states and just picked up and, and moved to another state and started a new practice. Yep, happens all the time, and unfortunately, Florida is frequently the recipient of the refuse from other states. Because there's such uh, a demand for the services for cosmetic procedures down there, huh? <laughs> I suppose. Hey, listen, can't these guys go to L.A. or New York? Right. There's plenty of stuff going on there, too. Well, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people that have disciplinary action that maybe they, they get sued, they have a horrible uh, result, something happens that really threatens their career, or they get disciplined by the Board of Medicine. Now, let, me, let me just explain. Getting sued. And having a malpractice settlement or a malpractice judgment is not a reason to lose your license or have disciplinary action. You get disciplinary action by the Board of Medicine when you do something that violates the standards of care and violates the laws and rules of the practice of medicine in that state. You can have many lawsuits and never have any disciplinary action, and you can have disciplinary action and never been sued. So you really need to look at both of those things if you're trying to pick out a plastic surgeon. So we talked about this, this case of Dr. San Antonio. Now, Jane, is Dr. San Antonio a plastic surgeon? Uh, no, uh, he's not. A, he's not a board certified surgeon either. But he did practice uh, for a number of years in Baltimore, near near not too far where I live. But then he moved to Florida, and um, this was before the hospital up here required doctors to be board certified as general surgeons. So he did some general surgery, not a board certified plastic surgeon, not even you know a, a regular plastic surgeon, but has been doing liposuction and other procedures for a number of years. Yeah, and again, look into the background of your doctor. Make sure you know what you're getting into. We're going to take one last short break. I'm going to come back, and we'll talk about some of the other things. Unfortunately, South Florida is, is kind of the, the clearance house for all of this stuff. Unfortunately, we've got Strax. We've got lots of lifestyle lift issues. We'll be right back after this short break, and we're going to talk about some of these really shocking outcomes that we've seen from Strax and lifestyle lift and how you can avoid it. Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking about patient safety. We've got Jane O'Donnell, who's an excellent writer for the USA Today, among other publications and forums. And she did a, a series of articles for USA Today about patient safety, choosing your doctor and choosing your procedures. We've been talking all about the complex choices that people have to make and some of the things that may go wrong. After now just discussing Dr. San Antonio, who's neither a board-certified plastic surgeon nor even a board-certified surgeon, uh, as far as I know, not board-certified in anything in particular. Uh, we mentioned lifestyle lift a little earlier, and I want to briefly talk about lifestyle lift. We spent a lot of time on this show going through lifestyle lift, and if you're listening to this particular episode and you haven't heard the full story on lifestyle lift, we did a two-part episode that was just shocking. Uh, some of the things you'll hear, the things that, that happen at lifestyle lift are, are just unbelievable. Now, I mentioned I just got back from the American Society of plastic surgeons meeting in Denver, and I met with a colleague who had been courted by uh, Lifestyle Lift to be hired by them as a surgeon, as a consultant, and he spent some time traveling around, taking a look at seeing what they do, and, and just found shocking things, just shocking things. He was there and witnessed, for example, a patient having a procedure done, of course, under local anesthesia, laying on the table. Nothing really particularly wrong with that, but here the, the patient says, you know, I need to use the bathroom, and the doctor says, oh, okay puts a couple stitches in, says, here, take this sponge, gives her a sponge, slaps it in the side of her face, says, hold this. Now, remind you, she's had a, she's halfway through a facelift. So she, the, she has these big flaps that have been lifted. I mean, the skin of her cheeks has been lifted up, and it's all being worked on. And he gives her a sponge, says, here, hold this, go ahead to the bathroom. The nurse, you know, holds the sponge in the side of her head, walks her over to the bathroom. She sits down, uses the bathroom, goes back to the operating room, and lays back down and continues the operation. I mean, it's it just bizarre. All kinds of really strange things happening with lifestyle lift. Now, Jane, you briefly you you heard about some unusual problems with lifestyle lift as well. Uh, yeah, the um, as, as far as what what I reported, what was um, what stuck with me the most is the fact that these women, um, almost without exception, 
went there because they saw the advertising. Um, I write a lot about. I'm a business reporter, so um, I just finished a story on the um, the big Reebok settlement with the Federal Trade Commission over how they didn't have substantiation for their claims about the fact that these wearing the toning shoes could in, improve their buttocks. And so it, it does remind me a little bit about the lifestyle lift commercials. I think one does need to be careful with what they believe in a commercial that any of these kinds of companies are um, are saying. And also the just the fact that these so many of these people found, A, the results were not nearly as good as they expected, partly because they, they, these aren't the full facelifts that so many other people are doing, and and two, the fact that the um, it was it was really quite awful for some of them to be under local anesthesia and to have a facelift. So that that's what stuck with me that the advertising claims uh, did not seem was not the experience that these patients uh, did not live up to what the patients. Um, uh, yeah, and it, just the, the experience of some of these patients are really shocking and appalling. I, I've read you know your piece and I've I've seen other reports on. Uh, lifestyle lift patients. I've personally interviewed probably at least a dozen lifestyle lift patients. Yes, all sorts of stories of horrific pain and and just being absolutely miserable during the procedure. And, and that's not even to speak of the results that a lot of these people have. Now, certainly, I'm sure there are lifestyle lift patients that are happy, but there are so many vocal, unhappy patients. You look online at sites like Real Self that allow people to rate their experience and their satisfaction level. Lifestyle lift the highest it's ever been, I think, has been about 51% satisfaction, which is miserable. And you want to flip a coin to see if you're going to like your results or not? I don't recommend that. The other thing that's important about Lifestyle Lift, before we move on to talking about other places, the laws in Florida changed about a year or two ago. Any type of sedation is given, even oral sedation. If you take a pill like a Valium that's at a high enough dose and you're getting sedated, that immediately changes the operation from what's called level one or what would be purely local anesthesia to level two, which includes sedation. In order to do a level two operation, you have to have a fully accredited operating room. It, you can do level one uh, procedures, pretty much under purely local anesthetic, in an office, like a registered office surgery room. And it doesn't have to be an accredited operating room if you're doing it purely under local. Now, you know, the problem is that Lifestyle Lift has always done things purely under local. And, and to my knowledge, I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, they have not had their operating rooms certified and did not have any certified operating rooms when this rule changed, yet continued to practice under the same uh, modus operandi. You know, they kept doing things the way they've been doing it before. And that was in violation of Florida rules. And there's just a blatant disregard, not, not only in Lifestyle Lift, uh, but really in, in similar places around the country, there can be a disregard for you know, the thing that may be the safest and, and the most compliant way to take care of patients when looking at the bottom line. And I think one of the, one of the big examples of that locally where, uh, where corners may be cut uh, would be a facility like Strax. And Strax is a facility here in South Florida that advertises like crazy, spends tens of thousands, maybe over $100,000 monthly on their advertising and keeps patients coming in. But the other thing that keeps rolling in are the horror stories and the difficult, you know, the, the problems, the, the, the complications. Strax, you, you reported about Strax, and there's the story of, of Ms. Soto, 
you know, I, I don't know if you think that's the best story about Strax to discuss. Or what do you what do you think was the, the most quintessential, the typical story that you learned when researching Strax and other places like it? Um, I think I'd like to use her as an example simply because I know the most about her, and I just think it's important to note that that uh, this young woman, she's in her early 30s, ended up with hospital bills totaling her annual salary that her insurance wasn't going to cover, and um, the company Strax is uh, defending it, her claim that they're liable for the fact that she has continued pain. She had she had what she says was no feeling in her legs after uh, liposuction and fat transfer surgery. But um, it, it just she went because it was inexpensive. You know, I don't know even where she came up with. I think it was five thousand dollars. But she went because it was inexpensive. She ended up with with you know being brought to a nurse's house for to to recuperate rather than a hospital. And that was really that was out of the good graces of the nurse. That wasn't even something that lifestyleists condoned. Right. They didn't condone it, but they also didn't send her to the emergency room. So exactly. <laughs> So that, I, I just I found that a very sad story. I mean, there there have been four deaths in two years, and and um, uh, you and and other experts, including the next president of the um, one of the accrediting boards, helped me come up with the, you know, the, the reporting on the death rate. And they've had four deaths in two years, but they say those are the only four deaths in ten years. And let's take them at their word. And that still means their death rate is, is double the national average as opposed to half the national average, which is... Well, in the best in the best case scenario, it would be double the, the national average. But when you look at 90... They, I think they reported 90,000 cases done, right? And if you look at that in 10 years, that's 9,000 cases a year. Now, if they're doing 9,000 cases a year, that's 18,000 cases in two years. And when you report your death rate, you don't do it over... Uh, you, know, you, you report it accurately over the span from you know, the last two years when the deaths occurred. Well, over the last two years, if you look at it, even in the best case scenario, you look at it over 10 years, it's twice the acceptable rate. When you look at it at uh, the span of two years, four deaths in 18,000 cases, that's one death in every 4,500 cases. That's more than 10 times the acceptable rate. Right. And the other thing uh, that, that we talked about was that, that they said, well, three out of the four deaths weren't, quote, unquote, uh, it wasn't their their fault, or they they shouldn't be blamed for them because they were situations uh, that they said which they said were out of their control. But I came to learn that that death rates are calculated differently in medicine. That 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 your for these office procedures, it's any death that occurs within I believe 30 days of the procedure is counted. That, well, that's exactly right. Listen, if you're operating on someone and something bad happens, they're on your watch. That's your responsibility. And the fact is that if you're Doing things in an office operating room where you don't have the hospital facility around, and and really, from my understanding, there's been a reluctance on Strack's part and probably other situa- other centers like them, to send patients to get the proper care that they need. So you know, be careful. You look for a bargain, and the prices are cheaper. You might be getting more than you bargained for. I say that often, and it's a message to take home with you. We we could talk about this all day. I wish I had more time to talk about it. Uh, Jane, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. If somebody wants to see your uh, your stories, how do they find them? Uh, well, they they appeared September 14th and 15th, but they're easily found on the USA Today website, usatoday.com, and a quick search for cosmetic surgery would find them. Um, you'll find a few letters to the editor, um, mostly positive, and and um, the articles are there. It was a two part series, five articles and three videos. Well, I invite you to listen to that. Go uh, watch the videos. Try and read the articles. Thank you for joining us this week on New Reflections. In the coming episodes, we're going to be reviewing 
the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. I'll be reporting on what's new and exciting. We'll be talking about breast revisions and exercise and fitness. We'll be doing another show about liposuction. All coming up in future weeks. Join us again on New Reflections. Thanks for listening. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.